This is a young team. We're on the cusp. They're hungry to get better. Pierce running right. Spin move. Barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. These are the type of guys, the type of men that we want in our locker room. Intercepted. Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Love the energy. Picked off by Stingley. <laughs> Petrie. Texans have the ball on the pick. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. All right. Hello, Texans. We are live at NRG Stadium, the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. And you saw my Twitter video, maybe. Maybe you didn't. We have probably more listeners than I have people who watched that little Twitter video of me walking through the stadium and getting pumped for tonight's show because I always get pumped walking through the stadium And right now, we are facing several weeks without players in the building, although they'll be here in and out, whatever, but without formal practices or anything like that, all the way up until training camp. And I'm fired up already. i got to calm down. And the general's going to help me do it a little bit, but also get us fired up at the same time. Somehow, someway, John McClain joins us on a Thursday, as usual. General, good evening. I retweeted your Utopia podcast, by the way. And looking forward to the visit tonight. What do you think of minicamp? Any big takeaways from you? Thank you for retweeting our Utopia Football Podcast. Now, if you retweet the column I wrote on SportsRadio610.com, in which I give C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson an A in their off-season programs, going to be the last time I'm that lenient when it comes to my grades. I'm working on one right now about the offensive line and how a guy that nobody's paid any attention to, I think, is going to make this team. Michael Dieter, who signed, was third-round pick of the Dolphins, 2019, started at center, has been working first-team left guard in place of uh, Kenyon Green, also got some work at tackle. He's a center. He can play any position. Seeing him out there with the first team made me think they like him. You know, we got a long way to go before they make the roster. They're going to have some tough cuts in the offensive line. We know at some point, Juice Scruggs is going to be the starting center. You don't trade into the second round for a player who's not going to start unless he's really bad. And then Jared Patterson, who also can play center guard. You know how those coaches love versatility. You know, right now the starting center is Quisberry, and he may not even make the team. So the offensive line is so important. It's great seeing Laramie Tunsil out there for the first time. I watched C.J. Stroud picking his brain on the sideline. I thought that was good because Stroud likes to get as much knowledge as he can get from offense, defense, coaches, players on both sides of the ball, and that is very encouraging. General, what's your biggest concern going into training camp for this team? On either side of the ball, special teams, whatever. What's your biggest concern going into training camp? And at that point, you think there's an answer that they can find going through training camp? Well, first of all, John, nothing is more important than the offensive line. You know, you've had four coaches in four years. That's ridiculous. Having that kind of instability. You hope Chris Strasser is going to be there to stay. 
but there's still going to be questions. You know, Kenyon Green's hurt. Will he miss camp? Will he be, will he miss preseason? Will he be ready to go? You know, he's got a lot of improving to do since being a number one pick last year. They've got questions at center. Shaq Mason, a really good run blocker, is not is coming off maybe his worst season, but he's still better than what the Texans had. Titus Howard's hungry for a new deal. I think Howard and Tunsil are one of – I'm not going to say they're top five, but I think they're one of the top tackle duos in the NFL. And they still don't have a big play receiver. They got backs. Nick Casario can't do everything in one off season. Um, I can't wait to see Christian Harris since he came in last year and had injury issues. He's been healthy. Derek Stingley is healthy. Um, John Mechie the third. Um, I think it'd be very unfair. I was talking to a doctor about what it's like when you have to undergo treatment for leukemia and how much you lose physically. And he's got to build that back up and he's done it. And at some point we're going to see why they traded to get into the second round to get him. And uh, I can't wait to see what Tank Dell does. So there's a lot of guys in their first or second season that I'm really excited to see. But offensive line, because it's been a question for so long and it controls so much, the running game controls the ball. It keeps the defense fresh and on the bench. The the offensive line to me, other than quarterback, of course, is the most important uh, position group this team has that has to be very good and they have the chance to be very good. Well, John, let's talk about the pass catchers a little bit here because we saw guys making plays out there like Dalton Schultz looking very good as he comes back from wherever he was coming back from. And Nico Collins, what a huge year it is for him because he looks so good out there. Got to stay healthy. I mean, that's the always uh, often used, anyway, disclaimer when we're talking about Nico Collins. Your thoughts on the pass catchers when you include the tight end group and what you have out there as assets? We know what Dalton Schultz is capable of doing. He's on a one-year contract. He's going to be hungry. I love guys on one-year contracts. I believe that a guy who could be a big surprise, Tegan Quatoriano. He flashed last year. He's big. He stands out when you see him walking around. He can move. He's not going to start, but he's a good red zone target. He might get to play in two tight end formations. Brevin Jordan's not a real tight end, but you can tell he's put on some weight and some muscle. And Nico Collins, we gushed about him last year in the offseason program. We gushed about him in preseason and training camp because he looked so good. Then he got hurt again. So I'm going to temper my enthusiasm for him when I see him and then see if he can stay healthy because it would mean so much. I expect Robert Woods in his second year back from a torn ACL to, to look like he did when he played with the Rams. Now, you know, he had Matthew Stafford throwing in the ball and Jared Goff, two first overall picks. Stroud was second overall pick, but we know Stroud's going to have growing pains and he's going to struggle at times. And, but if Collins could stay healthy, the target that he is with the size he brings and the acrobatic catches, it's his third year. You know, he's, he's got a chance to make money. You know, those guys like Jonathan Grenard, two years ago he had eight sacks. He's injured a lot. Last year injured a lot. He's a good defensive end, a good pass rusher. He's in a contract year. 
I expect they're going to get the best out of him. So uh, I love seeing these guys are playing when they got a chance to make some money, when you usually get the best out of them. And if you don't, you know, you shouldn't want them when they have that kind of motivation. So Nico would be huge if he could stay healthy. Speaking of staying healthy, General, what's the impact of a healthy Derek Stingley on this defense? We watched him on the first day of the minicamp. He's running down the right sideline on a long pass thrown, I think, by Case Keenum. And I can't remember who the center was. I was standing right in front of him. And, you know, they both went up, and they they brushed each other, and Stingley reached up at the last minute and tipped it away. And I'm thinking that's why he was drafted. You don't draft a guy third overall to put him in zone coverage. Brooks Kamina had a thing this week in the Chronicle about uh, he played zone 66% of the time. Now, that's Lovey Smith's defense. But still, if you're going to do that, you don't need to use third overall pick on a cornerback to play in zone. So I think now with D'Amico Ryans and Matt Burke, the new defensive coordinator, we're going to see him drafted for what he's what he was drafted to do, which is cover receivers all over the field, like Sauce Gardner did last year with the Jets. And I expect guys going into their second year, Petrie to be even better and Stingley Stingley wasn't good. He was hurt too much. Petrie was good. I expect Petrie to be better than good and Stingley to show why he was so highly rated and drafted as high as he was. You know, having those two guys as cornerstones of the secondary is is huge for this defense. And uh, I can't wait to watch Stingley covering receivers all over the field. Man. John, what do you make of the operation out there with the coaching staff it's not like these are inexperienced coaches, but D'Amico Ryan's first-year head coach, Bobby Slowick, first-year offensive coordinator. The way things are run out there, it's clear an energetic and proficient new era is underway. What are your thoughts as you observe the way they do business on the field? I know you guys uh, get the same thing I do everywhere you go. People are so excited about the Texans now. I had a guy tell me that at lunch today. I went to Carol and I went to see the Astros last night. I had three or four people tell me that. I didn't know who they were. They won't stop and talk. Hey, I'm pumped about the Texans. Are you as excited about the Texans as I am? And that was at an Astros game. And so I get that everywhere. And that's why the players are fired up. The team's fired up. You know, we're not going to have a thing at training camp where we got to stand down in the corner and try to do our jobs on the ground level where they won't let us move around. I'm talking about the media. I asked O'Brien once, could you coach if you had to do your job standing in the corner? He goes, well, of course not. Why do you ask? I said, why do you expect us to do our jobs there? He said, well, what do you want to do? And I told him, be able to move from end to end and side to side. He said, okay. Well, D'Amico's opened that up where we can actually see again. I don't think we're going to have the big uh, <laughs> scoreboard move right in blocking the media's view and the 610 view like uh, somebody did last year. And I think all those things that happened last year with the media and the year before, we're not going to have that. Just people are more excited. You know, every day, Cal and Anna McNair come over and talk to the media. They're pumped. It was great to see Janice McNair out there today. Mm -hmm. uh, they let me actually come behind the ropes, which I'd never been, and go under the tent and talk to Janice. And I've known Janice 
The first time I met her was when I did my first interview with Bob McNair. That would have been in at right after the Oilers left, after the 96 season, would have been in 97. And she's one of the finest people I've ever met. And she was she's so sharp. And she told me how fired up she was about the team and all the moves they'd made. And, and it was just great seeing her out there. And everybody's pumped. And so some people say like, well, if people get so fired up and we don't win as many games, they're going to be disappointed. No, people are realistic. They know you got a rookie quarterback. He's going to struggle. He's going to have growing pains. They know you don't have a big play wide receiver. They know you need another pass rusher and you got a lot of young players. People here are smart football fans. They're just so happy that every move the McNairs have made going back to getting rid of Easterby last season, every move they've made has been great and people know it and they're pumped about it. General, one of the moves that Nick Serio did make this offseason was to go get Devin Singletary and add him to Damian Pierce. It's kind of been a while since we've had a one-two combination like this. I mean, you go back to 19, but they kind of, far, kind of found Carlos Hyde on the trash heap, basically. And, you know, they obviously traded a third rounder um, for uh, Duke Johnson. I don't even know if those two hold a candle to what the Texans have right now with Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary, but Singletary in particular, General, what do you think he brings to this offense that they haven't had in a while, and how does he complement Damian Pierce? This could be their best duo, and this one I'm going to tell you didn't last long, but when it did, they were good. Arian Foster and Ben Tate. Ben was a second-round pick, drafted to be the starter, and then Arian just exploded when he got his opportunity. You know, you can't have Damian Pierce with his style, expect him to be healthy for 17 games, expect him to touch the ball 80% of the time. Singletary is a good runner. He's a really good receiver. You know, he led the Bills in rushing for three years. He caught at least 35 passes every year. He started half the games his rookie year. All the games of the last three's played big games. And um, somebody asked him about the heat. He said, hey, I'm from South Florida. I grew up there. You know, he loves it. Uh, I think that Singletary will be the receiver. Pierce will be the runner, but they will throw Pierce the ball. But I would think it's going to be more of a 60-40 split because of how important Pierce is to the offense. And as you guys know, there's nothing to be a befriend a quarterback, to be a quarterback's Best friend, like a productive running game that takes pressure off of him in the passing game, keeps the defense fresh, and I think having those two backs is going to help. And, you know, Pierce gets hurt, which he's destined to, and maybe Singletary does, but then they got to have third back step up behind Singletary, and they got some talent, and they got some depth. I think Casario did a really good job uh, in the backfield. Because last year, you know, I think Rex Burkhead would be a really good coach somewhere. But the way they used him last year was just preposterous. And that's why they had the worst offense I've seen in this city since the early 70s Oilers. All right. This one's for both of you. And we saw a two-minute situation the other day where Stroud ran for a first down. And then they either spiked or had a timeout right there. But it was a good little run. Good yep. little run. And look, you're not going to dazzle with runs during minicamp OTAs. But it was strategically a good run. Nobody open had to get a first down and 
keep things going. Not very long, but I want to ask both of you, 350 rushing yards, over or under for C.J. Stroud if he starts most of the games? Over one, or under? One of the things about Stroud, there's a lot of idiots out there because I read I read everything going into the draft that hold it against him that he didn't run more. He ran for 70-something yards against Northwestern. He had he ran double figures against Georgia. He can run. He's not a runner. He's a quarterback, and he had great receivers, and he said, my receivers were running over. I wouldn't have done them justice. I heard the end of it if I hadn't thrown in the ball. Nobody wanted to see C.J. Stroud run at Ohio State. Now, he's a rookie. He's got the offense has got a lot to prove in the offensive line at wide receiver at tight end. So I think he's going to run more and he can run all those people. I just, I don't understand it. People holding it against him that he didn't run more. And uh, so I'm going to say, let's see, 17 games. I'm going to say over. I think that's a safe bet, Johnny. Hmm. I'll go under. You'll go under. I'll go under, but not much. All right. I mean, I, I felt the number, as you put it out there, I felt the number for him is between 300 and 350. Care I think to hear Watson's rushing numbers? Well, it, here was the, the quick math on Watson always. It felt like it was 35 to 40 yards every game. Mm-hmm. And that, if you do for 17 games, you're talking about 600 to 650. I don't know that CJ will do quite that. But here's what's going to happen, a lot like Joe Burrow. Look up Joe Burrow's numbers real fast. I will. But look let up me get, Joe Burrow's but Watson's numbers. high watermark, by the way, 551 in 2018. All right? Mm-hmm. The rest were, all right, 413 in 2019, winning season, playoff season. 444 in 2020, they didn't go anywhere, but he led the league in passing. Let me look up Joe Burrow. I think, I think it's an over for C.J. Stroud. And it is funny how in this day and age you have to say, I can run. You have to defend your ability to well, run, whereas before, years ago, it was looked at as – a negative. Well, the good thing in, in NFL football is a sack goes against your passing numbers, your overall passing numbers, or your team passing numbers, whereas it goes against you in college um, when you run. I do think that CJ will pick and choose his spots when to run, and there will be plenty of those. Burrow last year, 257. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And that's not much the years before that. Not much why with those three receivers, why in the world would he ever think about uh, running? That'd be stupid. Exactly. Watson General, always thought a- Watson always wanted to run. He considered himself a great runner. When the coverage would break down, he was taken off. I think Stroud will be better in the pocket and he will run kind of like Patrick Mahomes when he sees an opening because Mahomes is a great runner. He just doesn't run a lot. And I think Stroud's going to be that way because he definitely can run. I think I think the number is somewhere between 300 to 350. So that's why I said under. I think it's I think there's going to be a game where he has a big scramble on a third and 14, and he's yes. going to pick that up. And he may do that a couple times this year, and he may run more in this rookie year. Um, and then what? An, a number one receiver emerges, then you never know. He may. He may back off of that a little bit because, like you said, Deshaun's high-water mark was 2018, right? Yeah. Well, he was sacked 62 times that year. He knew he had to run, but then the number went down and down as the offensive line did improve minutely over the next couple of years. But his number went down, Um, and I think that will happen for CJ. I think this will be the highest he has, and I think it's somewhere between 300 and 350. But I bring up Joe Burrow because I think that's kind of the model. I watch Burrow, and I see Burrow run when he has to. 
And when he, when he does, he kills you, especially in the playoffs. And I think that's the way CJ is going to be. Along those lines, general, of number one wide receiver, Tennessee or New England, call your shot right now. Oh, wait, hold on. Tennessee, New England, or the field for DeAndre Hopkins? Call your shot right now. Both you guys. Yep. General, you go first. Only two teams that have shown interest are the Patriots. I just read a long story on ESPN about him and the Patriots. Never even mentioned Bill O'Brien. People don't realize around the NFL how bad the relationship was between them. And I'm not talking about what came out publicly. Now, time and money heals a lot of wounds. The champ, the big teams, Super Bowl contenders, they don't have the money. He's trying to get $10 million a year, I've been told. Titans, this report uh, by Diana Rossini, uh, confirmed by a Tennessee reporter, they made him an offer. And uh, he should go there where Mike Vrabel and Tim Kelly know him very well. They know he's not going to practice. They know he'll play. You know, they're not worried about a second PD suspension. They're not worried about these three different injuries the last two years. They're familiar, familiar with him, and they know how to handle it. Where if he goes to New England and he never practices like he did in Arizona and here, uh, not only is it going to infuriate O'Brien, it's going to infuriate Belichick. Now, maybe he'll go up there and practice every day, but it just seems that Tennessee is a better fit, much easier division. And uh, so, and I know, I know Mark won't like this, but I'd like to see him twice a year because I love watching the guy play and I'd like to see him more. And, but I think, you know, uh, since Cleveland boy, Watson is quiet at the campaigning, but they had scout salary cap money open up where they can afford him, but they have five receivers, including two veterans they acquired in free agency and a trade and a second-round pick to go with their starters. So, uh, you know, they did that for Watson. So I'm going to say he's going – I'll say he's going to Tennessee. Yeah. I would say so too, Johnny. I would say so too. I would like to see him go to New England. And if he goes to New England and doesn't want to practice much and they're surprised about it, well, guess what? That's who he is, but it's fine because he performs on Sunday. But I don't know if they're going to be able to handle that part of it. I would be able to handle it, but it's easy for me to say. General, J.J. Watt going into the Ring of Honor. Thoughts on this? You've watched a lot of Hall of Famers in this city. You've helped some get into the Hall of Fame. Your thoughts on J.J. getting into the Ring of Honor for the Houston Texans? I think it was great. We knew it was going to happen. As soon as he retired, we knew it was going to happen. We said Pittsburgh would be the best game, even though we didn't know when it would be. It was just a natural. And uh, maybe Derek, his, his other brother, will re-sign with the Steelers to play fullback. But right now he's without a job. But it's going to be great. You know, even if a lot of Steeler fans have bought tickets, the Steelers and Pittsburgh fans have a great respect for Houston, going back to the great rivalry between the Steelers and the Oilers. And I'll guarantee you, every Steeler fan in the stands will stand and give J.J. a huge ovation when he's introduced. I have never seen anything like the his last game at, at 49ers and at the end of the game. And I asked him about this on the conference call. Um when the fans started chanting, every fan in the in the in in uh, Levi Stadium is standing, clapping, and chanting his name. 
And across the field, you see the defensive coordinator of the 49ers clapping along with all the 49ers coaches and people on that side of the ball, most of whom work for the Texans. And I've, I've never seen that. I remember hearing Derek Jeter, the Red Sox fans at Fenway, chanting Derek Jeter, just like the Yankee fans, as a tribute to him. But I, I've never seen it, and, I'm, and I know I'll never see it again. Yeah, it's incredible to think about, General, the impact J.J. has had on the city of Houston. And when you think about the greats of the city of Houston, I think about Akeem Olajuwon, we played his college ball here. Earl Campbell was from Tyler and went to UT. Nolan Ryan was from Alvin. Yet here's this kid that comes from Wisconsin that on draft day, there are a lot of people that went, wait, why we drafted him? I don't know that I can remember a player in this city general that's had an impact on this city that wasn't from Texas or from the area that came in and had an impact like JJ. Is that something you look back on and think, man, I never thought he would take that or have that impact on the city the way that he has, especially coming from Wisconsin. Not like he came from UT or A&M or someplace like that. If our governor, Greg Abbott, and our uh, new mayor, Sylvester Turner's term limits over, whoever's running for mayor, they better be on their knees thanking God that J.J. Watt doesn't want to be mayor or governor. Because if he did, (laughs) he would win. And you guys know that. I've never seen a player do more off the field. A lot of players do charity things like crazy, donate money. But J.J. was doing it with the Berry family in 2011 before he even signed. Came into town, heard about these two kids, these kids who were in a hospital, and and they might not walk again, and their parents were killed. And he went up there to visit them, and he's still really close to them. And I've just never seen any, anybody do it. And I asked him one time, why do you do all that? He said, well, I'm single. Someday I'll be married. And I'll sit around on my sofa playing with my kids and my wife and watching Sports Center. But right now, I'm not doing that. So I want to get out and do things in the community. That's just just what I get such a kick out of doing. And when he was honored with NFL Man of the Year Award for his offseason accomplishments, you know, that to me was as big as NFL's three NFL Defensive yeah. Player of the Year Awards because it defined who J.J. White was. He's come a long way from delivering pizza, having a rack, having to call his parents to dig him out and eating all the pizzas he's supposed to be delivering and then walking on as a tight end. That's beautiful. At Central Michigan originally, fire up chips. General, you've got the Utopia podcast, your column on, what was it, the offensive line and other stuff for us to look forward to, right? I do on SportsRadio610.com, and it's free, free, free. General, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you guys very much. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Coming up, who's better? Texans opponents edition, individuals, teams, stats, stuff. It's Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. We return to Texans All Access. Oh, yeah, we do here live at the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Johnny, I just heard that Shaquille Griffin promo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he was a guest on Sports Radio 610. And I'm thinking about the corner spot here before we get to who's better. I'm thinking about Steven Nelson, Derek Stingley Jr., Shaquille Griffin. If they had to play somebody after that, is it Dez or Tavier Thomas who moves outside? Dez would move outside. And then then Tav would stay inside. That makes them, dare I say it, deep at corner? Deeper, yeah. 
It's definitely deeper. deeper. Yeah. It's not ocean deep. Right. But it's lake deep. And you got to hope that at some point, you know, it like used last to be year. Pond deep. Well, right. But <laughs> last year, what happened late in the year? Tremont Smith stepped up and got some reps yeah. when they needed to. Yeah. So you need another guy beyond that, whether it's a Kendall Sheffield, whether it's uh, Kadar Holman, who yeah. we, we talked to, who we'll hear from next week, who was really fun to talk to. One of those other guys, Kobe Francis, who was a rookie last year. Oh, he made a nice play yesterday. Yeah, he's been really impressive. I mean, those guys are all kind of height, weight, speed guys. I mean, they've got size, uh, and they can all run. So I think if you can find that one other guy, too, just so you can feel really good. And they had Tremont here uh, last year, and so I think that always helped that, okay, Sting went down, you're going to move Dez out, but you've got Tremont having to step up to take some reps. You know, it was in that Dallas game when, when Stingley was already out. Then Steven Nelson gets hurt in that game. So now all of a sudden you got Dez out there. Tremont goes in, and I remember, like, wait a second. Tremont's in the game, and I was just about to tell you he picks off a pass um, in that game against Dallas. I mean, it was, it, I mean, it was perfect. He ended up having two in that game. But I think that's what you need. You need a veteran that's going to be that that guy that you you're going to feel the need. You're going to feel that like should we move Dez outside? Should we move with Dez outside? If you can get that other guy to step up. Then you don't need to move Dez outside, but if you do have to move Dez outside, you got Tavier inside. Or yep. you know, either way. I mean, if if Tavier is the guy inside, I just I, I love what those two guys can bring. And when they're on the field together, some good things happen. When when Desmond King and Tavier Thomas are on the field together, so you're right. Deep is definitely not a word we've used for a while with the secondary, but I think all things considered, and again, you talk about this all the time. Injuries, something you have to monitor, but. If you can keep those guys healthy back there, for the most part, I think you got an opportunity to have a pretty stellar secondary. Well, Tavier Thomas, PFT rated him very high as a slot corner two years ago, and I know you love PFT. All right, I'll stop. PFF, you mean? PFF. Yeah. Well, PFT is pro football talk. Jeez. I like PFT. I'm okay with Mike Florio yeah. for the most part. Yeah, no, I, I mean, respect he, him. He muck rakes a little bit, but that's of okay. course. But you know, he created that's that out thing. of thin air. I know. Good that's for him. Thing. Yeah. All right, let's get to who's better Texans opponents edition. The Texans are playing the NFC South, Johnny. Yes. The New Orleans Saints okay. and the Atlanta Falcons. Who's better? Now, let me just paint the picture for you here because Derek Carr joins the Saints, who went 7-10 and mm-hmm. last year, had some nice little wins down the stretch, including but not limited to beating the Cleveland Browns. Thank you very much yes. for doing that. Yes. And the Falcons, look, they should be better. Arthur Smith year two. Desmond Ritter is the quarterback. But who's better? They both had seven wins last year. Go. Hmm. I think the Saints are more complete, but I think the the Falcons have some elite dudes. And do not sleep on Clay's Campbell in Atlanta helping that squad out. Watching him last year, I mean, you're like he's 80 years old, and my God, he's still disrupting plays. He he's, probably doesn't have to play every snap either. Right? Exactly. Doesn't yeah. have to. You got Grady Jarrett there. I don't know if the Falcons are excellent up front but Grady Jarrett Clay's Campbell you know they've got something there that I think they can they can do something with I think the Saints defense is better than people think Tyron played some good ball last year Marshawn Lattimore still back there the Mario Davis the linebacker with Pete Warner uh their front is pretty deep now um they lost rankings from a couple years ago and I don't know if they've ever really replaced them they'll lose David Anyamata who was a big big he filled that role for rankings it was really good so I think the Saints have a little bit to do defensively, but I just think across the board, 
Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, that's going to be a tough that, – that's a tough duo to stop, especially because you can play them together. You put Kamara in a slot, just run a bunch of choice routes or option routes, and that's how they – that's what they did against the Rams in the, AFC, in the NFC Championship game a few years ago. They just ran option routes with Kamara, and he tore them a new one. But they just couldn't do it enough to win the game. Um, but I think this, the Saints front, offensive front, Falcons offensive front, pretty close. Falcons offensive front's a lot better than people think. Falcons got some elite dudes. I'm talking myself into the Saints. Like this, ah. is a, this is a Saints 51, Falcons 49 sort of thing. Okay. I think All it's right. pretty we'll close. It. It's we'll a good one. It. I think it's a really close one. It's a good one. Texans practicing against the Saints prior to their preseason game with them in New Orleans. That'll be interesting. We will see Derek Carr up close and personal. He apologized for his performance in Las Vegas last yeah. year. He was benched, which leads us to our second who's better. Better comeback. Deshaun Watson or Derek Carr? Oh. Carr was benched. He goes to New Orleans. Will he have a good comeback? A better one than Deshaun Watson, who did not play well down the stretch in his six appearances with the Cleveland Browns. Will it be better this year, or at least better than Derek Carr, whatever he does in New Orleans? In yeah, yes. New Orleans. Yes. And it I will hate, be. I hate saying that Deshaun Watson will have the better comeback than Derek Carr. I hate saying it. I hate mm. saying it. Now, the one, the one factor is the fact that over the last two months of the year, the Browns will play, I can't remember what what their schedule looks like, but they will play a number of games in cold weather. So let's take a look at this. From November on, from November 12th, at Baltimore, possibility. Against Pittsburgh at home, could be cold. At Denver, November 26th. Now L.A., no. Jacksonville, you never know in December. Uh, That's at home. Yeah. Uh, Then the Chicago Bears at home. Yeah. They'll come here inside. Then they go to the Jets. They go, oh, I'm sorry, they get the Jets at home and they get the Bengals on the road. There's six or seven games down the stretch where he's going to be playing whether he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. And I know that. Derek Carr doesn't have to worry too much about that because they'll play in a dome. They come here, they play in a dome. They, uh, I don't know if they go to Indy or not, but if they go to Indy, dome. So it's a little different. I think Sean might realize that. That said, I just feel like. Watson's the type of quarterback and a type of player that I think relishes showing everybody, you forgot about me? Watch this. So I, I think he'll bounce back. I think he's a little more comfortable with that system. Here's the thing. What if he doesn't? What if he doesn't bounce back? What does that mean? What? They have to ride it out. They have to ride out another year. Stefanski's probably gone. He's, if he he's can't probably going. Gone. And, and you just go from there. If you're them, what choice do you have? Yeah. At what point does it become friendly to get out of that $230 million guaranteed deal? Yeah, I don't know when you can actually even think about doing yeah. it, especially because so. they pushed all this money. You're riding this out. You pushed everything into him. There's yeah. no fallback. It's him or two more years and bust, oh. and you eat it and move on from there. All right. Oof. Let's move on to the next one here. Who's better? Texans opponents edition. Bear with me on this one. Who's better? Better record this year, Steelers or Jaguars? Hold on. Steelers went 9-8 and eight last yeah. year. Kenny Pickett was the quarterback rookie. Got better as the year went on. Jaguars went 9-8. and eight. Horrible first half, good second half. We saw the playoff game. Jaguars' division will be tougher than it was. Yes, I think we can definitely say that. Maybe some tougher outs here. Who's better, Jaguars or Steelers? 
Obviously, the AFC North is a very difficult division, but the Steelers should be better, too, shouldn't they? Question mark. Yeah, you would think. Um, I think the Steelers are. I think the Steelers will bounce back. And I say bounce back. I think there'll be nine, ten wins. I don't know if the offensive line is all together there yet. I know they, they moved up to get Broderick Jones, and I think that will help them in the long run. I don't know about right away. But they still have dudes. I mean, with T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith on the outside, Cameron Hayward, they're still they're still dude-worthy on defense. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of whether Kenny Pickett can kind of keep it going from what you saw at the end of the year. But even when he got it going, they didn't score a ton of points. They beat the Raiders like 13-10 to 10 or something like that late in the year. So um, it's an interesting schedule for them because they play the NFC West. So that's Niners, but the Cardinals aren't great. You know, you know what the Rams are going to get. Um, and then they play the AFC South, where they're going to get a bunch of rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. Minus Trevor Lawrence. They'll lose here on J.J. Watt Day. Yeah, they'll lose here. Um, they get the Jaguars in Pittsburgh. So yeah. I think that Jacksonville's 10 wins. I think Jacksonville's 10-7. Okay. I kind of feel like the Steelers are 10-7. and seven. But if I'm going to lean anywhere, I'm going to lean with Trevor Lawrence. So I'm going to go. Ooh. I'll go Jaguars. Okay. 10-7, and seven, Steelers 9-8. and eight. All right, let's do this one. Texans opponents edition of Who's Better. They're playing the AFC North, as we said. Ravens, who's better? The 2022 Ravens record or the 2023 Ravens record? Mm. In 2022, they were 10-7. and seven. People forget Tyler Huntley. They made the playoffs. Yeah. They didn't win, but they made the playoffs. How many, quickly, how many playoff games have the Ravens won since 2014. Zero. One. They got one win. Lamar Jackson, they beat them. They oh, beat, they the, beat Titans. the Titans. At, at the year Tennessee. after, they right. lost to the Titans when they were the number one seed. Can, can I go off on J.K. Dobbins? Sure. J.K. Dobbins is, quote, unquote, holding in during team mandatory minicamp. He's not practicing because he wants a new contract. How many games do you think J.K. Dobbins has played? Oh, he's always hurt. Running backs for the Ravens hurt. Lamar Jackson Hurt. A lot of hurt there. He's played lately. 23 total games. He started nine times. Nine times. Wow. 13, when, 20, 25 yards, and he wants a new contract. When he's healthy, he's good. When he's healthy? But but he, but you he never, played eight games last year. He played 15 as a rookie and started once. But Let me give you an example here. If I say everybody in the league is healthy at the running back position, and where would you rank Jake? K. Dobbins, or at what point does his name come up? Twenty, yeah, at the most. Yeah, the, there are a lot of There's guys out running there. backs in this league. There you are taking J.K. Dobbins over Damian Pierce? No, nope. no, nobody is. What team in the, what team in the AFC South is taking J.K. Dobbins over their guy? Nobody. Yeah, nobody. Uh, this Naji, you taking? Are the Steelers taking uh, him over Najee Harris? Yeah, Josh Jacobs with the Raiders? No, 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 no. no. I mean, he's not even. I don't even know if he's top. 10 yeah, look at that in division. the AFC. And he's holding yeah. it. Anyways, I think the I, I do think the Ravens will be salty. I think the OBJ addition um, is actually more could, needed. I was reading about Rashad Bateman and what he's going through. He may not be ready for a while. Ooh. So they may need OBJ to be ready right away. But they added Zay Flowers and got him signed yesterday. So I do think with Lamar coming Rookie. back, that contract all taken care of. New offenses is going to be interesting. Um, how they all take to that. But it does sound like it's going pretty well with, with Todd Munkin. But I'm going to go with the Ravens 2023. Just got to think Lamar will be healthy. I think 
it's Ravens Bengals in the NFC North, and it's going to be close. It's going to I think twelve and five is going to have to win that division. So okay. I'm going to give them 11 wins, so that's going to give them. I think Bengals are 12, Ravens with 11, I think Steelers 9, and Browns 1. <laughs> nice. 1. <laughs> All right, coming up, we brought up the running back position for the Houston Texans in segment 1. Let's go back to that for a moment. How good is this group potentially compared to previous groups and good buddy of ours who's battling something and he's an announcer and he might not make it to the starting line this year. Hope he gets back. We'll talk about that briefly coming up here on Texans radio. More Texans radio is on the way. Texans radio is back. Oh yeah, we are. We never left. This show will be available via podcast. Soon enough, Chris Santiago producing. All right. A couple of quick things here. Running back room for the Houston Texans. I don't want to get overly excited, but I guess I do because I love this stuff. You do. But just the one-two punch of Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary. Yep. Right there. Bill's leading rusher. He didn't put up gargantuan numbers. He was steady, explosive when he needed to be. Josh Allen's a bit of that rushing yard total. You know, when I look at the running back rooms the Texans have had the last few years, Johnny, you know, we talked about Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, et cetera, in 2019. Watson mm-hmm. was a big chunk of that. Yep. 2018, Watson was a big chunk of the rushing yards. You know, a significant chunk when you get four or 500 yards from your quarterback. It's part of the running game. Yes. And I think that masked, when you look at those rushing yard totals for those squads, that masked what was lacking. You know, Bill O'Brien, I'm sure, would tell you, I would rather have, you know, a 1,000-yard rusher and a 600-yard rusher and not have my running my quarterback run so much. Right. But that's just the way they had to do business because they couldn't run it the way they needed to. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about earlier, Sean was always good for 35 to 40, like almost every game. Yeah. 35 to 40. And there were times, you know, like Cincinnati in 17, he did that 50 what, 49, 51 well, yards. First start. You got right. to win it whatever way you could do it. Yeah, absolutely. And no tight ends. I mean, he, exactly. He was game. finding a way. He didn't run more as his you know career wore on. Seemed like he got more comfortable in the pocket. And the offensive line got a little bit better. Obviously, Laramie being a part of that. Titus being a part of that. But he was always good for 35 to 40 yards. It was always it. that number. I remember Bill O'Brien talking about that when he would talk about the running game. He's like, yeah, you know, Deshaun's good for 30 to 40 yards, which is true. And and obviously that was not Scott Davis's Ballywick. And I don't think it'll be CJ's either, but I think CJ can't take off. We've seen that in OTA practice. When he gets a rush and the rush gets upfield, well, he's good enough to get up the field and get something, get positive yardage and make a defense pay for not staying in the rush lanes, not being disciplined. And that's really what you what you want. And then if it's third down and seven, and you're playing man, everybody turns their back, and he could take off and go, Yeah, great. I think take he'll do stuff like that. Yeah. It'll be the strategic run as needed right. running. Not, I'm just going to take off and run with it for the right. heck of it. Uh, trivia question, who is the third leading rusher for the Texans in 2016? Lamar Miller led the way with 1,073 yards. Alfred Blue had 420. Who is the third leading rusher for that 2016 team that won the division, Johnny? Oh, man. It was uh, Jonathan Grimes? He was the fourth. Brock Four. Osweiler was your third leading rusher really? with 131 yards. Oh, wow. Yeah. But so, Brock did that. Brock would take off when he saw man coverage. There were a few times when the big draft would come running at me. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I got to get out of the way. He can move a little bit. I don't, that was that was a very underrated aspect of his game. Nah, he, um, look, he, 
quarterback. He was a a winning quarterback. I think his record. I'll let you say it. He was eight and six, right? And Savage was uh, uh, yeah. one and one or something. Yes. And that's all she wrote. Okay, yes. they went nine that's and seven, correct. won the division with the number one defense in the NFL. By the way, uh, by the way, good luck and many blessings to our friend John Murphy, voice of the Buffalo Bills who is recovering from a stroke and may or may not broadcast this season. They're going to make that decision in late July. That story was circulating nationally today. So, John, we're praying for you. I know you know Sal Capaccio very well, sideline reporter. Uh, They might have to go a year without him and take it from there, but we'll see what they do in Buffalo. It's just a little uh, inside stuff from us as uh, we're uh, praying for a friend here. All right. No doubt. That's it for the show tonight. We got another big one for you tomorrow. Lots of player content tonight. We had the general on and talked about some other things, but it's going to be fun on Texans radio from now through camp through eternity. Thank you, Chris, for producing. This show will be on podcast soon enough. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans. This is Texans radio on sports radio. 610.